You're listening to the last session of the day with the Psych Guys. Welcome back, guys, to the uh, last session of the day with the Psych Guys. My name is Dr. Lucan. As always, I'm joined here by uh, Timothy Mayer. And today we have an exciting program. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be a therapist and a male therapist to boot. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? Yeah, so, you know, the the, the first thing, well, I have this, uh, whenever I meet somebody new and they say, oh, what do you do? I'm always like, ugh, I'm a therapist. And they say, a physical therapist? And I say, no. And they're like, oh, like a, like, like a mental health therapist, like, like, like a shrink. And I say, yeah. And automatically the dynamic changes, right? This could be like me getting my teeth cleaned at the, at the dentist or meeting someone anywhere. Um, the conversation automatically is, oh, oh, like you do that. And then they, 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 they kind of have a funny look on their face and then they start asking me a million questions. And <laughs> so that's sort of the, 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 the biggest thing that hits me in, in my life all the time. Um, just the sheer reaction from people when I tell them that I am a therapist. That um, is so that is so funny that you say that. I had a very similar experience. This is back maybe 15, 20 years ago when I was in grad school. I remember with um, I went to a party once. It was kind of a sit down party and everybody's talking and chatting and I didn't know too many people. And some I remember somebody across uh, was sitting. I was like, hey, so uh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm uh, studying to be a psychologist. And then all of a sudden, like the side conversations, they stop and there's dead silence. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm thinking this, I've never met most of these people here. And it's like, wow, that's, uh, that's definitely something. So I go, so what do you do? <laughs> and then the, the converse, and I try to move away from it. But then the, to your point, the question starts about like, so do you always psychoanalyze people when you meet them? So what do you think of me? What do you think? Yep. It's just always the same sort of question. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. That it, it- that is absolutely the questions that pop up all the time. So like, so, um, have you been like listening to like what I'm saying? And like, are you th- like, like, so, so what about me? And really what I want to say is no, and I don't care, <laughs> you know, because I'm not, I'm absolutely not working right now. I'm relating to you as a, as a, as another human, just, just, just another person. Um, uh, but I mean, with, with that being said though, I mean, whether whether we really want it to or not, clinical information is in our head, and so it kind of like pops up a little bit when we sort of like see this or hear that or say, "Oh, I've heard that before. I know what this is." Um, but it's always a very awkward experience. Well, not always, but it could be an awkward experience, um, and especially being a male, right? Um, I, I think the reason why I get that response, like, "Oh, a physical therapist every time," is because I am a male, and I think people typically. When, when they think of therapists, they, they think that it's more women, and, which is true. You know, um, only 20% of, of, of therapists are male. Um, that so is very it, true. It, 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 I, I think that is part of the um, surprise a little bit. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this idea that uh, we are, you know, as males are uncommon. Uh, and also, uh, I, I definitely know for the, uh, you know, for psychologists as well, that uh, a lot of uh, male psychologists are in academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of psychologists uh, who are male also do a lot of neuropsych testing, custody evaluations. Uh, mm-hmm. 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 And not that many actually uh, start private practices or join private practices or, or do that full time. So it's very, it, it's it's uncommon. And it's, um, you know, for for the... 
for the clients out there, it's sometimes not easy to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Katsi, what, what is it like when you, I, I mean, I, I know I had this experience, right? Mm-hmm. So when I, when I go to a training or, um, or even back in school, if I reflect back, it was like maybe me, one other guy, and then the rest women, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of the trainings now are, are, are virtual because of COVID and, you know, so it's a lot of zoom and it's just this zoom with like all of these women <laughs> and, and then me, right. Um, what's, what is that experience like for you when, when, when you're in a training and you're probably one of the only males there? It's, uh, it's, it's definitely very similar. A couple of years ago, um, I, I took a training. It's called emotionally focused therapy. It's, it's just mm-hmm. kind of, it's an approach to work with couples. And this is, um, this is in New York City. And the venue, it's, it's, a, it's a week long. It's nine to five, five days a week. Uh, and the venue, I don't know, probably easily 200 people. Mm-hmm. And the and the presenter is on stage, and I'm just looking around, and it's, they were like separated into tables, like maybe six to eight, six to ten people at a table, and I'm looking, and I cannot see another male. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I literally cannot see another male, and just anywhere on my table, the table, the presenters there are all female, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that that is so interesting. Granted, it was called emotionally focused therapy, so I always kind of think of it as acknowledgement and validation and steroids. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was just not that many men that were there. And I, I kind of had two reactions. One, I was like, oh, wow, are kind of male therapists not interested in this approach? Is it something that won't relate to my male clients? And mm-hmm. on the other hand, I was thinking to myself, almost kind of you know, feeling good about the fact that I'm moving into a space where maybe men are not comfortable with. Uh, mm-hmm. meaning talking about emotions, amplifying mm-hmm. emotions, processing emotions. And I'm uh, going to take that back, that information that I learned, which was incredible, and um, try to apply it with the with the clients that I work with. Yeah, a hundred percent. Another thing that I that I get often is um, if I get referred um, a woman or or, or or a female, kind of like it almost always comes up in the first session. It's like, well, you're a you're a guy. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, and I don't know. I think that there's, I, I, I think that we all hold a little bit of like implicit bias about um, the fact that men uh, can't understand emotions as well as women, or, you know, um, he won't be able to understand me because um, he's a male, I'm a female. And actually that's some of the, some of the best relationships and so, so some of the most therapeutic relationships I've ever had with people are people who kind of come in and they say, Oh, there's no way that this guy is going to ever understand me. And then, you know, of course, we, we establish a relationship. That work usually um, ends up being so much more beneficial because it uh, it's almost like there's a, a little bit of a rift in the beginning of the relationship. And then we, 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 we come together and we form a really great relationship anyways. Um, and I think it leads to a lot of really powerful work. So there is a little bit of that stigma, even when people come into therapy, um, seeing a male, um, and, and I don't know, I, I, I think it's, um, well, it's just something that I've noticed a whole lot of. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. It's interesting how, uh, those relationships with clients develop, be it with male or female clients and kind of what people come in, the types of biases they hold towards a male therapist, maybe not be as understanding or not as acknowledging mm-hmm. and validating and be more quote unquote solution focused, uh, versus a female therapist would probably be a little bit more nurturing and caring. Uh, and that's what I hear. I don't want to say frequently, but somewhat as, as you and I do some of the 
uh, some of the calls that are coming in. Um, sometimes people specifically say, I'm only looking for this type of person or that type of person because they mm -hmm. have this um, th this notion of how it's going to go. And yeah. a lot of times, to your point, people are pleasantly surprised when they get matched with somebody they didn't really anticipate with, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. th that it really works out really well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure so many people, well, I, I get this question a lot. I'm sure listeners want to know this too. Sort of like, what is, what, what is life like for you? Like outside of your office? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I get the questions like, like, what do you do for fun? Or like, what is your life like? Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think that this episode is, is a really cool opportunity for us to, to, to pull the curtain back. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I, I guess I'll ask you the yeah. question that, that that I get all the time, Constantine. What's what's life like for you outside of this office when when you're not a therapist? What do you do? That that is a, a I think that's an amazing question. I get that question asked a lot of the times, especially from clients, which sometimes pause and say like, "Well, you're obviously so put together. Like, obviously, you don't fight with your wife." <laughs> And, and, and it's always, I kind of have to remind myself, wow, that is potentially how people think of therapists in general, that we're these, I don't know, perfect beings with perfect emotions, completely self-regulated, where almost like a robotic in sense that on, on the one hand that we don't have uh, ineffective expressions of emotions. On the other hand, I feel like all we, the, the vision is we sit at home, read psychotherapy books, eat, sleep, come back and work with people. Like just for some reason, I, I think that's what people think of therapists and nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, as you, as you know, Tim, I'm, I'm married to uh, to another psychologist, you mm -hmm. know, and, and our conversations are not always as polite or as, uh, or as structured as one would think, mm -hmm. right? I mean, <laughs> all the jokes are the people that I always make, at least with clients is I always say, no, you're projecting. No, you're projecting. No, it's your mommy issues. No, it's your daddy issues, right? Like, so it, it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, one would think like we're these poised individuals. On the other hand, we're, we're human, just like everybody else. We have triggers, we have traumas, we have all sorts of things. We don't necessarily get along with our spouses all the time. So for me, it's, it's a, potentially this episode is just a reminder that we are human, but that I think is a, is a great element because it's easier to connect and have an authentic relationship in a therapy session. If you remember that we're human too, we not only empathize with emotions, we understand them, we experience them as well. So I, I think it's just a friendly reminder to audience that if you are looking for a therapist, just remember that we're human, just like anybody else. I, I like to hike. I, I like to play sports. You know, I, I go out to restaurants with my friends. We're, we're having a party. You know, we're just, we're just regular people uh, that potentially do have a pretty good knowledge base about how people work. Yeah. 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 So, so you're married to a psychologist. I'm not married yet. I will soon be, um, to not a psychologist. And, um, <laughs> how is that? Yeah. Uh, it's great. Um, a couple of things that come up is sort of like, um, <clears throat> maybe it's a little easy for someone else to say, how are you not regulating your emotions right now? Isn't this what you do all day long? And this is what you talk about. And I say, yes, but, <laughs> I'm, I'm a human too, right? Or I don't know, like we all have a, a little bit of our own baggage. And I think that there's a little bit of an extra stigma on me to not, you know, uh, <laughs> have quite as much baggage as, as the average Joe, which is, I guess on one hand, understandable, but, but on the other hand, um, you know, uh, 
everyone has their stuff and 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 yes of course you know uh do I work on this, you know, these sort of things all day long with so many people? And do I have, you know, all this experience and knowledge and all of that sort of stuff? Yes. And do I try to apply that to my life as well? Of course. And am I going to be perfect? No. Right. And I'm going to make mistakes. And I look back at something and I say, ah, why did I do it that way? I, I, I should have known better. Uh, so I think I, I kind of hold myself to a little bit of a higher standard of, uh, unfortunately, and I think other people do too. Right. Um, right. you know, if, if she, maybe her emotions get a little out of control, it's like, ah, that's okay. But if Tim's, well, no, Tim, you have to be on your P's and Q's, which is, um, well, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely something that um, uh, I, I really resonate with this idea that, listen, if, if this is your craft, if this is your profession, you mm -hmm. are supposed to uh, be a model for that, which we obviously try to be to, to some extent, but also we struggle with things just like everybody else. And I'm, I'm sure people can relate in different fields, right? Like, I, I guess the assumption is if somebody's a financial advisor, right? like their finances have to be mm -hmm. completely in order. I'm not, I don't know, but I'm sure that uh, may not always be the case. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're an attorney, you would think like, you know, the law 100% of the time and you're perfect at your job. Potentially, that's not necessarily true as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you ever had the experience of, uh, what, let's say, like you're out and about in public, and you and and you see someone that you're working with in public? Oh yeah. Have, <laughs> how are those? How are those types of experiences for you? You know, it's so. <clears throat> I've this is my seventeenth uh, year working with clients, and you know, I, I feel like even in that period of time, a lot of things have shifted. I remember back even in graduate school, we we were specifically told, so if you do see somebody you work with at a restaurant or a supermarket, you never approach, mm -hmm. you never acknowledge, you mm -hmm. never make eye contact unless they come to you mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and they sort of potentially introduce whomever they're with or just say hello. Uh, which, which I think is, is still holds true to this day. But I've noticed with as uh, the stigma of mental health is decreasing exponentially as we move forward, as you know, here in Ridgewood, New Jersey, we have uh, you know stigma free initiative. I, I think a lot of people are a lot more comfortable uh, coming up. So remember, I remember in Hoboken, people would just see me across the street and would actually make make an effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to cross the street to say, hey, how's it going? What's up? And just kind of engage in a regular conversation, be it a 30-second one or be it a little bit more you know, extensive than that. But yeah, it's just, it, it really has uh, shifted pretty tremendously. What yeah. about yourself? Yeah, it's so similar, right? Um, if, if and whenever I see someone who I'm working with out and about, um, I never approach them, right? Uh, if, if we make eye contact and they decide to come over and chat with me, great. Or if they don't want to, Great, absolutely no problem, um, and it's it's sort of funny the um, the spectrum of it, right? Um, I've seen people in public, and then they, we make eye contact, and it's like they saw a ghost. They're like, <gasps> and so we just kind of keep it moving, yeah. Um, and 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 then there's other times. Um, I remember I was in a Whole Foods, and uh, a person who I was working with was there, and she's like, "Oh my god." Tim. And she's like, guys, like, come here. Like, like, this is Tim. This is the guy who I talk about all the time. And I just, I start cracking up and then, you know, she was with her, her husband and her kids. And they're like, they're like, thank you. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, like, you know, no problem. But it was like, like it, it almost like made her day that, that, that she saw me on the Whole Foods. Uh, so I, I, I think on both ends of the spectrum, it's kind of a shock because, right. you know, uh, patients see you only in your room. It's sort of like, oh, right, you are a human and you navigate the world as well. So there's sort of that shock factor. And then the, the response is, in my, in my experience anyways, either like very, very uh, engaged and want to speak or very, very not and completely avoid. Uh, which is always a little interesting experience. Absolutely. That is, uh, that is so true about like kind of expecting to see people only in the waiting room, only in the office. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, for both the therapist and the client to kind of see each other at a restaurant or a supermarket, like mm -hmm. regular human things. <laughs> Quick <laughs> reminder here, we do those things too. I go to the supermarket, you know, <laughs> I go to restaurants. I, I, yeah. I, I, I engage with people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but interesting, interestingly enough, though, kind of maybe circling back a little bit uh, to the beginning of our conversation in terms of how do you keep boundaries? You know, we kind of mm -hmm. started to talk about this idea of, uh, you know, I always I always talk to speak with clients and I say that, you know, the consent form that obviously people sign is obviously a legal document. But mm -hmm. more than that, it's it's an agreement. It's an invitation. Uh, to be able to talk about certain things that are going on for, for you, right? It's called a consent because you agree mm -hmm. to be able to engage in this process. You're interested, uh, be it on paper and be it emotionally, to be engaged in this process. While obviously in everyday life, that doesn't happen. I always joke around. I don't stand on the corner and start telling people what they need to be doing and who they are and why, what kind of issues they have. Right? I, don't, I don't really do that uh, specifically because I'm, trying to create boundaries. And I think, you know, a lot of therapists uh, also deal with that. And I'm, I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts are on that. How do you manage it? Yeah, I think, I think the boundaries are, are, are super important, right? Like, you know, really when I, um, when I leave the office, I really have to take my therapist hat off, you know, and then I'm just sort of me, just, just Tim, not, 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 not Tim, the therapist. And, um, I think it, I think it's extremely important that that we do that, that re really for our own self care, right? If if we're quote unquote on, you know, ev all day every day for for the entire week, at some point you're going to burn out, right? Right. Um, so I think that that you know these like this work, these relationships that 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 we're that we're um, getting into the work that we're doing, I think it it is very structured, right? Like there's there's the consent form you're signing that we're going to do this. We're going to have this relationship. We're going to work in this way for this allotted period of time with these specific goals that we get into. Um, and those boundaries are hugely important because I think when things start to mix and mesh and, and boundaries get messy, um, it just leads to a lot of difficulties on our part, the, the, the therapists leading to probably some burnout, yeah. uh, which we could probably speak about burnout forever. Um, <laughs> And then therefore, you know, if we're burnt out and we're doing our work, we're not as effective as we can be. Right. Absolutely. So, so, so those boundaries, um, I think sometimes working with people, they might not like some boundaries, but I think, uh, again, you know, whether people like them or don't like them or, 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 or what have you hugely, hugely, hugely important for us to do the work that we do. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that holds true to, um, having boundaries with clients to make mm -hmm. sure kind of to what you're speaking about. Uh, I'm also wondering um, about how do you, when you take off that hat 
of mm-hmm. being Tim the therapist to being Tim uh, the regular guy. Now, when you engage in conversations with with your significant other or with friends, how do you kind of navigate that? Do you kind of see them from the clinical lens and respond kind of through that? Or do you kind of intermix it with your own emotional needs from this relationship? Like, how do you navigate that? Well, I, I, I kind of try to keep the hat off, right? Like, so if I'm, if I'm speaking with my fiance and I have my, you know, couples therapist hat on, eh, that's not really like me being my whole authentic self. I, I, I don't think, right? So, so I, I really do try to keep it off. Um, and also with that being said, um, if a certain emotion is, is, is high, if I'm feeling like upset or angry or anxious or, or maybe there's a little bit of an argument starting, you know, maybe in order to, to benefit the relationship, I kind of maybe put that hat on a little bit, or at least draw on some of that, some of the knowledge and the work that I've done, you know, in order for whatever's going on to be handled appropriately. Right. So, um, I guess I sort of, yeah, well, and and I think just about everyone would do that, right? You know, right. In, in in couples work, in couples therapy, in therapy in general, like we learn so much and, and we do go through a change. However, you're not thinking about, you know, or, or no client is thinking about what I say 24-7. However, if they start to get anxious or dysregulated in one way, my hope is that they're able to draw on the work and implement the coping skills or whatever it is that that we've done. So I, I kind of... That's that's the way that I conceptualize it, mm-hmm. and I think it's helpful. And also, I'm not quote unquote on all right. the time. Right, right, right. No, I I totally hear that. I was gonna use the analogy of uh, almost like a like a hybrid, like an integrated mm-hmm. self. Because on the one hand, to your point, do I draw upon some of the clinical knowledge that I have, and I'm sure my wife draws on her clinical knowledge when we interact. Yeah, absolutely. The, the hope here, you know, you know what they said, like with. Uh, uh, you have to be careful with the information that you hold because if you know somebody really well or could see them clearly, you know, sometimes you could use it for good, you know, mm-hmm. and then sometimes some people I could imagine use it for for not such uh, great goals. So I know with my wife and I, we always try to synthesize and integrate the info that we have and be able to hopefully keep in mind that we're trying to move the relationship forward. So using the information that we know about each other in a more proactive, effective sort of a way, meaning like using that information to help each other during an argument rather than using it against the kind of like how we talked about earlier in the episode about you're projecting, now you're projecting, right? That's just another way of saying like, you're to blame or you're to blame or your past is to blame. Right? Like we try to move away from that just to be a little bit more effective to move the relationship forward. And with friends, it's, it's very simple. I never give advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never give advice. I mean, I mean, yeah. unless it's something super basic or just, I never give advice about relationship. I never give advice about like what you should be doing because the, then the nature of the relationship changes. Then if I'm more a therapist than a mm-hmm. friend, then, then my there's a there's a shift in how I connect to that individual, right. um, and and that's sort of where I try to draw the boundary. It, it's not easy because you also don't want to be 
cold, like somebody asks you for advice, like if a regular person, non-therapist and somebody says, hey, Tim, what do you think about that? Or why do you think my relationship is not working? Is it me or is it, you know, is it my partner? You know, Mm -hmm. a regular person would probably give their two cents in, but we Mm -hmm. have to be careful about that because is it clinical? Is it just a friend? It's just a, it it may not be such an easy uh, interaction to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I really have the same rule, you know, and, and there are times where maybe my, my clinical brain is thinking one thing or the other in like a very strong way, like, man, this is so clear <laughs> that this dynamic is going on. And, and boy, in my opinion, that should really be changed, but it's, it's not, it's not my place. It's, it's, it's not my role. You know, um, I'm your friend. I'm not your, your therapist. And, um, it could be a little hard to, to, to make sure that we like keep those boundaries kind of like neat and tight. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes they bleed over a little bit, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more about, about not, not giving advice. Yeah. Just, yeah. just because it, it completely changes the dynamic of the relationships, which, which you don't want, you know, yeah. we, we want to be human. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. At the end of the day, you know, we are, I think we're better for it. I think we are mm-hmm. taking in the clinical information that we know to uh, to self-develop, to learn how to do self-care, and also obviously hopefully help some of the clients that we work with. So it's more of a, to me, more like an integrated self where it's not like this mm-hmm. clear, rigid boundary therapist or non-therapist. It's really mm-hmm. an integration of the of both. And, uh, you know, hopefully our significant others and our friends and the clients that we work with are are better for it. At least that's the hope. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hope. That's the hope. That's the, that's the hope. Um, and I know one other thing maybe to, to kind of think about, you know, Mm. what it's like to be a therapist. What's it like to be a male therapist? Uh, one thing that really I've benefited and it almost feels kind of wrong to say mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've benefited something from the therapist because obviously the focus is on helping the client navigate some of the challenges that they have. But again, since you know I've been doing this for a while, what I've noticed, you know, how most people say like, oh, everybody's the same, we're all part of the human race. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but that's just kind of so such an abstraction. Mm-hmm. But I know just personally having the privilege of really seeing how there's this integration between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and how, Mm -hmm. at least in my mind, the way I think of it, it's it's just kind of like a permutation. We all have the same thoughts. We all have the same feelings. We all Mm -hmm. can do the same behaviors. But what really separates us is how we put that together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I know that may even sound abstract to some of the to some of the listeners, but the idea is that we all share in the same sort of subset of thoughts. We all share in the subset of emotions and a subset of of behaviors. And just noticing this this universality between all people and just we just kind of pick and choose which thoughts, feelings, behaviors we'll put together, like mm-hmm. almost like an amalgam. It's just been such a privilege to to make me feel so ever close to just people in general and humanity in general. I don't know if you ever had that experience, Tim. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And, and, and of course, and I think, how do I put this? Just, you know, being able to really uh, listen to, understand, learn about, um, you know, re- really understand us, our thoughts, our feelings, our, our, our behaviors. Um and I, well, Constantine, I, I really think that you, you put it out perfectly. Um, it's more or less all the same, right? It's just a, a, a little bit different for, for each individual person. And to be able to 
kind of understand that and work with that and work through that and also view yourself as a human being with the same experiences, more or less. Um, I think it leads to a great understanding and a, and a great sense of connectivity, which is a, which is a really nice thing to have in, in, well, your life. Right. And right. so I, 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 I see what you mean, how it's sort of like, ah, so like it might sound a little like selfish. Like right. I get this out of the work that I do, but I mean, I think that's one of the benefits. That's, that's, the, the, that's one of the perks. Right. Um, <laughs> you really get to understand other people and yourself really, really, really well, right. uh, which is, which is fantastic. Well, to, to that point, even the, one of our episodes that we had, we, uh, invited, uh, uh, some uh, fitness trainers to talk mm -hmm. about, right? Like, and, and they, and the, you know, I know I do like 30, 40 minutes a day, you know, they do like three or four classes a day, right? Like they're in an unbelievable mm -hmm. shape, right? Like, mm -hmm. so they benefit, obviously the clients benefit, but they also benefit because they're also doing the exercise. To me, this is very similar, you know, the client benefits and we benefit because, you know, if you see, you know, four or five, six people a day and you do it five days a week, you know, that's a good amount of training. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Well, listen, you know, I think, I think that this conversation that we had is, is, was a really great one for today. I know that a lot of people in my life has that, have asked me a lot of these questions and, um, I don't, I, I think it was a really neat experience to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit and, and disclose a bit about what it's like to be a therapist in real life and, and a male therapist. And, and, you know, uh, Dr. Wilkin, as always, I really appreciate your insight and, and I appreciate the conversation. Um, I hope that I hope that everyone here really enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, and if you did, you know, please feel free to subscribe to our channel so you can hear more conversations like this. And uh, this is the last session of the day with the Psych Guys, and we'll hear we'll, we'll talk to you soon. This has been the last session of the day with the Psych Guys. See you next time.